Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of In The Zone. This is episode 101. I'm Giancarlo Lino, of course, joined by Anthony Piniello, Chris Martelli. Guys, we got to start this off with uh, the court, with hoop. We got a new champion crowned. Uh, the Raptors' is long reign as champions came to an end. Uh, this year, Miami went to the final. They came up short to LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, Chris, what were your thoughts on this and uh, on the Lakers win? Uh, not surprised. I had the Lakers winning the title well before even COVID started. So not surprised here. LeBron James, one of the greatest to ever play the game, if not the greatest of our generation. Uh, I still think he's the best player in the NBA. That's just my opinion. Uh, and he showed it. Uh, almost another triple-double performance. He averaged about 29, 11, and 10 in the, in the finals. So a lot of people even giving, you know, LeBron James flack for, you know, they were saying he didn't deserve the, the, the what's it called, the, the MVP, the finals MVP. I thought that was absolutely ridiculous. Like, he almost triple-doubled every game. Uh, AD had, I think, game one, game two, AD was the better player. But after that, LeBron just took it to another gear. But Jimmy Butler, man, like everyone talks about the Lakers winning the chip and, and Dwight Howard getting his ring and all this. But like Jimmy Butler, like he, he had one of the greatest finals series that I've ever seen in an individual player, especially on a team that's up and coming in Miami. Like Tyler Hero, we praised him in the last series, and then in this series, he wasn't he wasn't as lethal. Uh, Duncan Robinson in Game Five was huge for them. Dragic going down for, with the injury really did suck the life out of the team, I thought. But Jimmy Butler, like he barely he barely sat in the whole series. He he put he poured his heart out on the court, and it was just a shame that he didn't get the result. But if there's one thing that I've learned this year from from the NBA, it's that Jimmy Butler might now be a top 10 player in the league and uh you know say it ain't so i think uh i think ad's gonna re-sign with the lakers and i think they might run it back again so uh not surprised here with the lakers winning the chip i love how butler went from being like one of the most hated guys one of the most toxic guys over the last five years to being everyone's favorite over the last like two months since the bubble restarted but like if you're the miami heat Absolutely nothing to worry about. Basically playing with house money since they beat the Bucks in the second round. Robinson, hero at a bio. That future is unbelievable. So props to them. But to the Lakers, like when game six came around, LeBron and Davis, he got the two best guys in the series in that game. They fucking closed out. So KCP coming in with 17 points. Danny Green had a nice rebound after getting fucking death threats the game before. So... Awesome on the Lakers. Good stuff all around. Yeah, like, I, going in, we all thought the Lakers would win this, and they should. Like, the team they have. I was going to Miami, make it something different. I thought maybe they can push them, but after what I saw in Game 2, there were way too many rebounds they gave up there, and I think that cost them. If, we, if they capitalized on some of those rebounds and took Game 2, we'd probably be talking about a seven-game series here, so... Uh, I guess I'll start with you, Pinello. If you're Miami, what do you do now to address uh, this team? Oh, maybe look at free agency. There's a lot of guys coming in, but I wouldn't do anything drastic to fuck up their lineup. 
because you got Bam out of bio, you got Hero, and you got Duncan Robinson. You still have Jimmy Butler. So those four guys alone, you know, people are looking at maybe second round for next year. But I think they should just stick with what they got. They got they're a very good team over there. So I, I wouldn't I wouldn't break bank for certain guys. But if you can add one or two pieces, maybe in free agency, and then just keep going from there. Uh, I think, uh, Alino, that's a good question to ask because, you know, teams are changing like nonstop. Uh, I think I think what we saw in game game five, game four, game three, when Dragic went down with the injury, they put Tyler Hero at the one and they had Duncan Robinson and Jimmy Butler there. I think we're going to see a little more of that next year because I don't think I don't see like a lot of people want to see Dragic resign with the Heat. I really don't see it happening because, you know, you need to. Start thinking of re-signing Bam Adebayo. You have to start thinking of, you know, uh, are we going to re-sign a guy like a Jay Crowder? Are we going to re-sign a guy like an Igudala who bring that defensive dominance? And and even like Crowder at times was pretty clutch from three. So if I'm if I'm the Heat, I think Crowder might be more of a priority, at least financially. He's definitely cheaper than Dragic. Dragic has been there for a while now, and a lot of people we all know that he's that hard working point guard. And I really don't know what the market would look like for Dragic. I think a couple teams are maybe looking at him, but if they can maybe upgrade at the one, maybe you can get like, I don't know, an Oladipo. If he wants to play point guard, you can maybe try and like if Kendrick Nunn is going to be as good as Miami faithful praise him to be, then maybe he could start next year and, you could have, you know, Kendrick Nunn, Tyler Hero, Jimmy Butler. You could have Duncan Robinson coming off the bench. Like this team doesn't have a lot of flaws, and that's why I think they also went to the NBA Finals. Like they were a fifth seed, but a lot of people looked at them as a second seed just based off the team structure and how they how they just meshed so well together. And that, like again, like you just talked about before we went on the air, like the Raptors are ranked eleventh now going into next year. That's just because of we have no idea what the team's going to look like next year. Whereas, you know, with Miami, we have a lot, we have a better understanding of what the team's going to look like. Um, besides maybe Dragic and a couple minor bench guys. But other than that, like, like Pinello said, you have Bam, you have, you have hero, you have Robinson, that core right there alone. They're all under 25. That's going to be amazing. And especially with a teammate like Jimmy Butler, it's going to bring the best out of them. So, I think Miami, this is just the beginning. I think they're going to be there again next year. I don't know if they're going to go to the finals. But um, it's going to be fun next year to see teams like the Celtics, Heat, Nets, and Raps all compete. Yeah, even looking at uh, the West, because, okay, Anthony Davis, I see he's going to resign. He has to. Uh, I don't think he's going to leave. I know Chicago's out there, but I think if they were to have been eliminated second round, he'd consider it. I think the plan all along is... Uh, stay there as long as LeBron's there. And then once LeBron is gone, you will probably see him go to the Bulls. But uh, looking around, Danny Green, I think, uh, played his way out. Uh, he had the chance to get the game-winning, championship-clinching three. We would have been praising Danny Green. Probably would have been a fucking statue made out of him if he got that three. But uh, he missed. Airballed. We'll push them to six games force LeBron and AD to have another performance out of them, stay in the bubble a little longer. Uh, so is Danny Green out the door, do you guys think, in uh, L.A.? 
Oh, uh, yeah, I'll say he's out the door, and that's just because KCP is a free agent too. Um, I think they're. I think th- it called me crazy. I know the NBA is a very goofy league when you look at free agents and the super teams that have been created over the years. I think the Lakers are looking for their third star. As crazy as that sounds, Danny Green is probably gone. I'll say Dwight Howard is gone. I'll I'll even I'll probably even say KCP is gone. If they want to keep Caruso, you can keep him. But I, I just I feel like they're trying to get either Bradley Beal or a guy maybe like a Ola Depot or an Aaron Gordon this offseason. I think they, they're gonna go out there and they're gonna test the market. They're gonna look uh they're gonna like Palinka's gonna do a lot of offers. I think he's gonna look at Aaron Gordon. I think he's even gonna Maybe even I heard rumors that they even want to try and get a guy like John Collins from Atlanta. So I really don't know what what the Lakers are going to do. All I know is when you think of shooting guards in L.A., if you're there right now, it's not looking good for you. So I, I think I think they're looking at a shooting guard this offseason. And uh, sorry, KCP, Danny Green. I think you guys are I think you guys are up. <laughs> I think other than LeBron and Davis and maybe like Rondo. I, I honestly think everyone's going. That's, <laughs> that's uh, yeah. For like for Danny Green, like a three and D guy, he's a specialist. So like, uh, he's consistency issues at times. But like any team in the league can use a guy like that. So I'm really not worried about where he's going to land next. Yeah, same. Uh, he's a good guy to have, just not on that money. So Oof. whoever gets him is uh, it's going to be a gamble, but. I don't know. I think the Lakers, instead of going after a guy like Beal or Oladipo, they need to change it up a little bit. I think they already have that uh, kind of play, something that meshes in, a nice inside shooter. I would go after DeMar DeRozan, go uh, San Antonio, and see if maybe you can do a sign-and-trade at the draft or you sign him as a free agent. But I don't know. You guys think DeRozan would be a good fit on the Lakers, or do you see the Clippers maybe making a run at him? Call me crazy. I, I think I think the better fit for DeRozan is the Hawks. I think if if there's a team that needs a, a guy like a mid range scorer who can even bring that leadership, I think Demar Derozan going to Atlanta is a good bet. I, if if DeRozan were to go to an LA team, I think it would be more fitting if it was the Lakers for sure, because you have Paul George and Kawhi Leonard that relatively play the same position that Demar Derozan does. We all know DeRozan can play the two, but how well, that's a different question because most two guards now are really, really great three-point shooters. And we know DeMar DeRozan is not a great perimeter defender and he's not a great three-point shooter. So if anything, you put DeMar more at the three. Um, I, I think I think in a perfect world, if I'm Atlanta, I'm getting DeMar DeRozan and you're going to go moving forward. You could have Trey Young. You can have a young guy like Kevin Huerta. And then you could have DeMar DeRozan at the three with John Collins and Clint Capella. I think that could be an enticing uh, and intriguing uh, a starting five for Atlanta. But I don't really know what the return would look like if, if the Spurs would want to trade DeMar DeRozan. I know that I know that the Spurs right now, they're kind of like the Minnesota Wild in, the, in, the, in basketball. They really don't know what the hell they're doing. They want to win, but they don't have the the superstardom to win. So Aldridge and, and DeMar DeRozan are two out, absolutely great guys that I've seen play basketball for like 10 plus years. And, you know, they're, they're star. They were, I don't know if they're superstars now, but they were stars in the league before. Um, 
but yeah, you know what? I think it's best that Aldridge and DeRozan get traded. They 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 start somewhere where they can maybe win and, and get that ring because they're not going to get it in San Antonio. So um, I like that idea, Alino, but I think more uh, if instead of L.A. going home for DeRozan, I like him going to Atlanta. I think that would that would spice things up in the, in the East for sure. That'd be pretty filthy, him and Young and Collins. But, like, I think DeMar is at a point now where, like, he's been the main option on a team since he's came into the league. The guy's, like, 30, 31 years old now. He's around that age. Like, I go to the Lakers, man. Like, you got to play some meaningful basketball. I think Kyle Kuzma would probably be the starting piece if they were to trade for him. But um, I could see DeMar on the Lakers for sure. And speaking of uh, the Lakers, now that I'm looking, thinking of Dwight Howard, a team that kind of plays that defensive style, like older center coming in that they can rely on for a few minutes. If uh, the Raptors don't sign Gasol, do you see Dwight Howard filling in for him? <laughs> oh, yeah. That would be – wouldn't that be fitting Toronto, the media with Dwight Howard? That would be – a nightmare. Uh, I don't think, I don't think that would happen. Uh, I love Dwight Howard. I love everything he's done in his career. Eight time all-star now an NBA champion. Uh, he's done it all. He's been one of the most dominant guys I've ever seen, but I don't see him going to Toronto just because of the media and everything that's kind of happened over the last year and a half. Uh, it, it was a nice story, uh, for him to win a, a ring this year, but you all, we all know how Toronto media is. If there's any negative press that's tied to a player, it always comes back up. So I think if Dwight Howard comes to Toronto, all that nonsense might get brought up again, and I don't want to go through that. So if I'm Dwight Howard, I'm probably trying to avoid Toronto. So I'll, I'll, I'll say no there. Yo, fuck that. I would love to see Dwight here. <laughs> Superman. <laughs> going from fucking Charlotte to Houston to the Wizards to almost out of the league to two days in Brooklyn or whatever. And then he finally lands in L.A. and he's a champion. So you know what? Bring some of that over here, especially if España is not coming back, which he's not. Uh, <laughs> looking at a couple more free agents. Where would you see Carmelo Anthony landing? Brooklyn Nets, Lakers? Where do you want to see him? I think I, I, I actually talked about this the other day with my brother and he, he kept saying, why doesn't he go to the nuggets? Why doesn't he go to the nuggets? And I was just kind of like, well, you know what? If he goes to the nuggets, he's going to be like the seventh option. And I don't think he wants that. And, uh, the, the, the tough thing with Carmelo Anthony is, and, Pinello knows that he's one of my favorite players, at least growing up. I used to love Carmelo Anthony. He's a he's kind of a tougher guy to coach in that, like, he still doesn't know what his role is now. Like, he went to Portland, and he thought he would be, like, the third option. And we all know he's not anything more than probably a fourth option now in the NBA. So uh, you're looking at a guy that can potentially give you 15 points per game on, like, 42 36 and like 75 shooting uh i, I think I, i'd like to see carmelo anthony call me crazy i i'd like to see him in miami i think him going there would be would be a good fit i don't know if him and jimmy butler though would kind of mesh well 
in in this case, I think you got to look at the relationship that he has with players. So again, like you said, the Lakers, him and LeBron, they're they're really close. Him and Chris Paul, very close. So if anything, you get the banana crew together, and you could have Chris Paul, LeBron, and Carmelo on the Lakers next year, and you could bring them a ring again. So I wouldn't I wouldn't be opposed to that for sure because Carmelo does need a ring, and. Uh, yeah, I'm just going to stick with the Lakers because that's the theme in this pod, and uh, why the hell not? We'll go with the Dallas Mavericks. Oh, it's a good one. I just feel like uh, when I look in their 3-4 position, they got you know they got Finney Smith, Dwight Powell, and I think, uh, I think Willie Cauley-Stein. I'm missing one more. So when I just look at that team, the way it's set up, and you got Doncic and Porzingis and, you know, if Melo, you know, Melo can come off the bench or he could start, it doesn't matter. He can come in and put up 10 to 15 points. He doesn't have to be the star guy. He, he obviously hasn't been for the last few years, but I, feel, I don't know. I feel like in a position with Dallas, that would be pretty cool, especially given their 3-4 situation. I don't know where he'd play exactly, but whether he's coming off the bench or starting, I think that would be a nice fit over there. Yeah. Can see also, like another team that is going to make uh, a lot of noise, Golden State. You've got, like, Clay Thompson, who's going to be, by the time they play again, almost two years that he hasn't played, like a year, six months, five months, whatever it is. Got Steph Curry healthy. You got Draymond Green healthy. You got whatever draft pick they have, Andrew Wiggins. Uh, is this crazy to think that this team's going to be somewhere at the top of the West next year? Uh, it's not too crazy, I, I think. Golden State and the whole league in general knows how weird this season was that just passed. It was, you know, completely different. It was a full year. Uh, having Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green will be back. He also looks a little leaner as well. Uh, Andrew Wiggins, again, is a guy that I don't know how much better he can get, but if he can get better, then he is definitely going to go places next year. Um, I don't think I have them first next year in the West, but I do have them in the top four. Uh, Steph Curry and Klay Thompson are not to ever be messed with, especially when they're healthy. Uh, if they can get that big center in either through the draft second overall or if they even trade for a center, uh, then their team is complete. And Steve Kerr is laughing because last year he knew he knows last year was an anomaly. Uh, the whole organization knew it. So um, it was all about resting. It was all about uh, just staying focused on the future, uh, on the next year and they've all been patient and shout out to guys like Steph Curry and them for being patient because when you're a superstar in this league, there's some guys, I'm not going to really mention any names, but there's some guys that they don't have the patience to, to wait. So um, kudos to Curry, Clay, Draymond, Steve Kerr, the Golden State Warriors for waiting this year because next year they're going to be hungry. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if Golden State goes really far next year. They deserve this year off this gap year. They've played so much basketball the last little while. So, but yeah, they got the greatest shooting backcourt in Steph and Clay, and then Draymond will slide in nicely. And with those three alone, I got them top four in the West, just like you said. I, Eric Pascal's really coming into his own. He really, like, him and Wiggins and D'Lo to the start, uh, they were really carrying the load a lot of the time. So I really love watching his game. I want to see how he progresses with, uh, with uh, Steph and Clay when they come back. But yeah, I'm right with you. I think they're right back. Uh, top half of the Western Conference settings. Yeah, and uh, I guess the last team I'll look at here, Houston Rockets. Everyone's going to be better. 
they'll have Westbrook, Harden, and uh, everybody else. You have to go after Serge Ibaka if you're them, right? Ooh. Take that. Oh. Yeah, you have to go after Serge Ibaka at that point. Um, that's a that's a home run. Uh, any any team I think needs a guy like Ibaka when you think of like like what you need. You need like Ibaka over the last two years. I don't I don't think I've ever seen a guy blossom in Toronto as much as I've seen with Ibaka when he first came over. His three point shot was not good at all. Um, his defensive game, he looked a little bit, not scared, just he looked a little bit hesitant to be a key contributor defensively uh, every time he was on the court. He went from being a guy that was kind of not too sure uh, being a part of the system to basically running the system defensively. So you got to give Serge Ibaka all the credit in the world. Messiah Jury and Nick Nurse uh, and even Dwayne Case, you got to add in, have coached him very well over the last couple of years. And you could see in his confidence as well. It's gone up. He's blossomed. He's 31 years old. Uh, I really think the Raps should re-sign him. I, I'm begging that happens either, e- even if it's like a one-year, $18 million contract, something like that. Uh, he deserves all the money in the world. He deserves the term as well. But uh, I don't know if Masai sees it, uh, sees Abaka as that long-term center. But uh, yeah, any team is lucky to ha- to go after a guy like Serge Abaka. His his market should be relatively uh, high this year. Fuck, if we lost him with the rumors that we may lose Fred, we are, we're going to have some problems. But uh, for Houston, playing behind Harden and Westbrook, you're talking about watching his game develop. Like His three-point shot has really developed in Toronto over the last three years. So like the way they run offense at Houston, I think he'd fit in perfectly. So... Uh, yeah, from a fantasy perspective, that would be fun. But if I'm the Raptors, oh my God, they got to keep them. Alito, you talk about a team that needs to like really think long and hard of what they want to be. That's Houston next year. Like Dan Tony's gone now. You, have, you still have Russ and you still have Harden and you still have Eric Gordon and you still have Daniel House and you have all these guys that can you know, shoot the three and they're relatively great in size. And even you traded for Robert Covington. But you need that center. I mean, small ball only works to a certain extent. And I think I do agree with the whole, you know, the history between Abaka, Westbrook, and Harden. I just don't know if that's even enough to even go to the conference finals because the West next year, you got Doncic and Porzingis who are going to, they're getting better every single year. You have Golden State coming back. You have the Clippers and the Lakers. I just, I don't know. I, I don't see Houston as that contender at least for the time being with this Western Conference, because this Western Conference is loaded. Yeah, interesting. When that draft comes up, I think we're going to have some surprising moves go around. Uh, Damian Lillard's out there. Bradley Beal's out there. Uh, DeMar's rights will probably be out there, so should be fun to see. But let's go on to the rink, because uh, they had the free agent frenzy. Uh, the big fish, Alex Petrangelo, decides to string along Vegas and Toronto, hold up, see who's going to give him the bigger offer. Toronto's like, fuck that. Let's go get TJ Brody, Wayne Simmons. Uh, St. Louis said, fuck that. We're going to go in another direction. So he's pretty much left with Vegas. So uh, what are your thoughts on Petrangelo signing with the Golden Knights? Take it, Pinello. 
man, I wanted him to re-sign in St. Louis. <laughs> I look at the way Vegas is constructed. We just, fuck, man. You look at all the players they've been getting since they came into the league. Uh, him and Theodore over there for the next however many years they stick together is just a scary thought for teams in the West. Um, the guy's 30. I don't know. I like the contract. There's obviously risk to it when you sign these types of deals. But, like, the guy's a superstar defenseman. He has been since he stepped into the league. He's a legend with the Blues. He's in the prime of his career. So for Vegas, like, it's now. They got to win now. This is a big get for them. So good on them. Yeah. Uh, not a lot really to add there. Um, I was surprised. <laughs> I'm, I, he, I was really surprised when he signed with Vegas just based off the fact that like a day ago, a day or two before, they, they signed Tory Crew, the Blues, and it's like, okay, I guess this is where Petrangelo's out of the question. And I thought as soon as I saw Krug sign with, with the Blues, I thought, okay, maybe Petrangelo signs with the Bruins, as crazy as that may have sounded. But, like, getting the seven-year deal at 30 years old, that's just that just screams disaster. And $8.8 million, like, that's a lot of money for, first of all, the salary cap did not go up. So that's already you're in a cap problem. And and Vegas, they, they like spending their money. They have Mark Stone, Pacioretty, Carlson, Riley Smith. These contracts are not to they're not they're not small contracts. And then you have Robin Leonard at five mil, and I think Flurry's at six mil, something like that. So they're spending a lot of money, which is good in Vegas, because when people go to Vegas, they spend their money. Um, but other than that. I don't really know if I like it long term. Like for sure, like what Pinello said, they're in win now mode. They should be the favorites next year. Them in Colorado for sure in the West, at least for me, are the two top teams. But you look at Vegas next year, and wow, it's terrifying. I mean, uh, they traded Nate Schmidt to get the cap space to get Petrangelo, and they look. It looks like their team hasn't even changed. Like, is Cody Glass even going to make the team at this rate? Like, I have no idea with Vegas. They're so good. There's, there's, there's so much depth on this team. And I, I just I can't believe that they pulled it off. I didn't think Vegas would be the team to get Petrangelo. I thought it maybe would have gone to Boston. But this is going to be a scary team next year, um, especially even adding Cody Glass's uh, development. So I got this team finishing first in the West next year, due in large part to, uh, to Alex Petrangelo. Yeah, and... Uh... Speaking of teams looking different, how happy are you that Boston now loses Tory Krug, Sedano Chara, it looks like, and potentially uh, Rask? How happy does that make you guys? Keep going, bud. Yeah, I don't. I don't, I, I still think I still think Zdeno Chara is going to resign there because he's just an Iron Man. Like that guy, I feel like he's going to go another year. Like. Like he's he's just going to be that guy that's going to keep signing one year deals until he's actually like he can't play over fifteen minutes a night. So like as we saw last year in the postseason, he barely played Chara. He played like sixteen, seventeen minutes, and Brandon Carlo and Crew combined played like one was like twenty five and the other was like twenty six. So we all know Zidane Chara is not going to play twenty five plus anymore. So. Uh, I still think he's going to hang on to the Bruins for another year. But in terms of guys like Tuka Rask, like what he did last year or in the bubble, you just don't do that. That's just unacceptable. So I wouldn't be surprised if they move on with from Tuka Rask. 
But now you even have to talk about Pasternak and Marshawn going down with those injuries. They're out four and five months. And I don't really know what to expect with Boston to start the season. I expect them, obviously, to be a playoff team and dominate. But, I mean, in the regular season starting next year, I really don't know what to expect. This team is going to look a lot different. And uh, I, I still think I still think they're going to be the favorites to sign Mike Hoffman. I have that feeling that they're going to grab Mike Hoffman even maybe as soon as later today. But, uh, yeah, the Bruins are, are definitely going to look a lot different starting uh, next year. I'm with you on Chara with the one-year deal. Fucking Superman over there. But um, Tory Krug leaving for them, <clears throat> that's a bit of a hole. Uh, obviously, Boston's a fucking amazing team, and they have been for pretty much this whole decade. But, um, you know, he was the anchor on your power play. He was a big part of why that team was so successful. So now you got to put Charlie McAvoy in that role. Who, you know, they, they have a few pieces with him and Carlo and Krug last year, but now McAvoy, it's only his second year in the league, not even. He's got to take on a much bigger role. So he's got to step into that spot, and then Carlo's got to come up. So losing Tory Krug is a big fucking deal for Boston. Yeah. Uh, like, you talk about guys, too. Like, they got, like, Jeremy Luzon, who's, like, coming up. They have Connor Clifton. Uh, I'm pretty sure, like, they have a couple guys that can maybe play Chara's minutes. Like, they can play, like, 16, 17 minutes. But, but these guys that are coming up, they can't be playing Tory Crew minutes. They can't be playing 26 minutes. So I'm actually kind of surprised that they didn't even go out and sign a defenseman yet, uh, the Bruins. like I, I was actually shocked they didn't get a guy like a Tanev. They didn't get a guy like a Brody. They didn't get a guy like uh like a petrangelo they just kind of played the field they watched uh, the 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 defensemen go off the board and now i think they're in relatively a hole even a guy like a Gudis, i maybe would have thought would go to boston too just based off of the playing style that boston's had for years Gudis will fit that perfectly but yeah i agree i they don't have a a, a defenseman that plays the way tory krug played and uh, that's going to be a big hole unless we see a side to McAvoy's offensive potential that we never saw, but I don't see it happening. I think, uh, I think Bruce Cassidy has a lot to work with uh, next year, but he also has a lot of coaching changes that he has to make towards this lineup. But other than that, like they have Charlie Coyle, Craig Smith, um, Andre Cass, Jake DeBrusque. This team is they're They're looking okay. They're especially up front. They're not looking too bad. Yeah, and the first signing of the day, though, uh, got to mention this guy, legend, got bought out. Uh, he had the $4.5 million so, uh, of actual salary. So a salary that he gets bought out from, you'll probably get $3 million. And he signs with Washington for $1.5 million, just so he can get paid the exact same, even though he's loaded already. King Henrik, good fit for him. Take it away, yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be weird to see him in anything but a Rangers jersey. But um, you look at him and Sam Sonov as that uh, as that duo in Washington, and I don't know how many games he's going to play because the kid is going to take the the starting job, obviously. But he could he still got game. He could step in. He could play twenty, thirty games, something like that. Take some of the load off the kid, and you know, I, I think it's a. Uh, yeah, I like the deal for both sides, for the Caps and for Lundqvist. I agree. Uh, Sam Sonov is definitely the starting goalie, uh, at least for next year. If I'm Washington, you drafted him in the first round. 
this is where the lights are going to start shining for him. Uh, but Lundqvist, uh, I think he could still play like 25 games if if Samsonov struggles out the gate. You could you could rely on a veteran. You could he for goodness sakes, this guy won the Vesna Trophy, so you could you could definitely rely on a Vesna type backup and 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 leader in in, in Henrik Lundqvist. And an, another guy that I forgot that they got was Justin Schultz this offseason. And I think maybe even the Bruins could have maybe looked at Justin Schultz for a cheaper option of Krug, but. Yeah, this team with Henrik Lundqvist, it's going to be interesting to see how Washington plays. Uh, I don't know if Lundqvist just assumed that, you know, if I'm going to go cup chasing, Washington is my best bet. But um, I I do like the fifth for Lundqvist. It's going to be weird for sure seeing him in a Washington jersey because he's faced them so many times in the playoffs. But uh, yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see how how Hank pans out in Washington. Yeah, and uh, their old goalie, Holtby, the cup winner over there, goes to Vancouver, and I was actually surprised about this one. The term, everything, especially with Demko there, who came out in the playoffs and kind of took Markstrom's spot. He looked a lot better when he came in. Uh, He looked like he's ready for the league to be a starter. Uh, So, Chris, start off with you on this one. What are your thoughts on Holtby going there for this kind of contract, this kind of term, and... uh, do you think this puts Demko's development on hold? Um, I don't know if it puts it on hold, but it puts it on, like, if I'm Demko, like, I'm a little worried, but I'm not too worried because of the two-year deal. I feel like maybe they're gonna they're t- taking it slowly, kind of like what they did with Jake Allen, St. Louis. Unfortunately, Allen didn't work out there, but um, they can't be they can't be just focusing all on Braden Holpe. Like what we saw with Demko this postseason was probably just him scratching the surface. So we could be looking at here a Bennington and Allen type thing where Demko could potentially outplay Holpe at any given time. But um, I do like it for, for Vancouver if they knew that Markstrom wasn't signing. Like, cause Markstrom, we all know right now, at least I believe he's a top 10 goalie in the league based off of what we saw in the postseason. And he was just one of the more consistent goalies last year. Uh, I don't know if I'll, if I'll say top 10 right away, but you guys get my point. But uh, Braden Holpe, you know, you, you get him for two years, $4.8 million. It's it's pretty cheap. And, like, it, it's it's affordable. You still – you're paying guys like Edler and Pearson and Besser. Um, next year's going to be a little bit more difficult with, like you know, guys like Quinn Hughes and Pedersen coming up with contracts. But um, I still think they only did the two-year deal just because of the Seattle Kraken. I think Braden Holpe's going to be the Seattle Kraken starting goalie uh, when it's all said and done. So I think uh, this was a smart move for Vancouver's management, um, and I think Demko is still the goalie of the future for Vancouver. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much where I was going. Uh, this is brilliant for Vancouver. The guy's only 31 years old. He's been a starter most of his career. He's used to playing in front of a bad defense in Washington, so not much is going to change in Vancouver with their run-and-gun style. Uh, I don't think it, it hurts his development. They may split the games the first year. Who knows? But, you know, either way, I think it's all centered around the expansion draft. And uh, at, like, four, it's at four point, just under five, whatever it is. Like, that's a steal for Braden Holtby. So they could scoop him up for the Kraken, and then Demko can slide right in there. So if that's their plan, that's that looks good on paper. Uh, another move that kind of looks uh, 
good on paper. Don't know if it will translate to that. Taylor Hall, one year, $8 million. So uh, we were hearing for a long time Edmonton was in the mix, Colorado. They were going to probably get this big contract for him. He just settles on one year in Buffalo. So what what are your expectations for this? So I'll start with Piniello on this one. Oh, man, that power play is going to be fun. And honestly, that's about it. Because when I look at the Buffalo Sabres, I don't really see them as contenders to even make the playoffs like a 7 to 12 seed. Like, I don't think much changes for them. Like, who's going to play in the fucking, who's playing in between the pipes? That's my main thing for Buffalo. But uh, you just look at their forward group and you had you had him to Eichel and Reinhardt and it's going to be a fun power play and it'll be dynamic. Obviously for Hall with the one-year deal, he's betting on himself. So for him, he's, he's just got to hope to stay healthy, put up some serious numbers, and then break bank next year. Yeah, I, I agree with all of that. Um, I feel like if he, if he was going to sign with Colorado or Edmonton, it would have been like five million or a five-year, like $7 million contract and – teams are smart with the with the cap you know staying the same i feel like this is a player right here where kind of like petrangelo but i feel like petrangelo's like way more value than taylor hall especially in the open market um this guy was a heart trophy winner two years ago and it's actually sad to say that it was it was only two years ago and now he's only getting a one-year deal uh in free agency but that's just the type of player he is, and there, and it, you can't do anything about it. This guy has never been around a winning team. He's never been a winner. Um, he's going to Buffalo. I, I guess this is kind of like a wait-and-see type thing, kind of like what Pinello said. They need a goalie. They didn't even go out and try to get a goalie. At least that's what I believe because every single free agent goalie was not linked to Buffalo at all. So, like, even if you went out and got, like, a Grice or you got, like, I don't know, like a like a fringe starter, like even like a Talbot, like then maybe I would have looked at Buffalo a little bit differently. But like you got Carter Hutton and like Linus Allmark as your goalies. It doesn't matter if you have a first overall pick in Rasmus Dahlin. That's not going to do anything. That's not enough. And like Jack Eichel, like guys like Jack Eichel, Taylor Hall, Jeff Skinner, like these guys are just all offensive. They are not defensive at all. So with that being said, if I'm if I'm Buffalo, you need to go out there and you need to start looking at guys like Sean Couturier's like you got to start looking at that and see how much value they bring. And because I'm telling you right now, if they had a two way centerman behind Jack Eichel that was consistent and could put up 55 plus, then we would start saying that they are now a contender with Taylor Hall on that one year deal. But for now, without that that defensive center and 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 no goalie, like it doesn't like you could score five goals a game, but you could allow seven. So at the end of the day, they need to fix their defense. I still think they should have traded Risto like two years ago, and they still haven't done that. So um, I guess I would start there, trade Risto line, and maybe see what Colin Miller could do for you this year as well if you're Buffalo. But other than that. Maybe like like here's another name of 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 that I thought maybe would have made the team by now. Pinello. Well, how about like what would you do? Would you maybe trade Casey Middlestad if you're if you're Buffalo to maybe get a better defenseman or a goalie? Because I haven't heard his name at all since since coming up. Is he a second year pro now? 
Yeah, this this was his. Uh, I think he played. Yeah, he already played. I think a full year in the A. So he's got to start playing. I think he's another one of those guys. Like as skilled as he is, if something doesn't start to give with him, if you don't see a certain amount of development by a certain amount of time, then maybe you could move on from him. Because when you do look at that four, they are pretty stacked. They got a lot up front. So if they do have to part ways with a couple of guys. Uh, um, to improve the D or in between the net there in the pipes, like the middle stat you have to say goodbye to. Yeah, it's a tough one with Buffalo. Like, you got to make the playoffs at least. Like, Toronto every year with Austin Matthews, they're making the playoffs in the qualifier round. Edmonton, they made the playoffs, made somewhat of a run with McDavid. Arizona made the playoffs. Like, what the fuck with Jack Eichel? You can't make the playoffs. Like, I don't know what else you can do there. Uh, maybe you have to go after Mike Smith. That's probably their last resort. He's going to be probably the only goalie available by the time they figure things out. Uh, but I don't know. Do you trade Jack Eichel then just to spark up something? Like, uh, I, I'm not, no, I'm not trading Jack Eichel at all. I feel like he's like a guy that, like, you're you're never gonna see a guy like him in Buffalo again, like as good as Jack Eichel is. Um, I I completely forgot that Buffalo got Eric Stahl, but I still think that that move is not enough. He's 34 years old now. He's on his last legs. I feel like his last four years couldn't have gone any better. Like if you think of any player from like 30 to 34 years old, okay, other than maybe like a Shea Weber. The, like his, his run in Minnesota was amazing. And I called that when they signed him. I knew that he would be absolutely amazing there. And I feel like Eric Stahl going to Buffalo, it's just kind of him saying, you know what? I really have faith in Jack Eichel. I have faith in him. I have faith that we can make the playoffs. I have faith that we can make this work with a guy like Sam Reinhardt on my wing. Uh, we'll, we'll wait and see what happens. But again, like guys, like you need a two-way centerman. Like I'm looking at their bottom six. They have Cody Eakin and Curtis Lazar. Like they're great defensive centers, but they can't get the job done consistently. And then you have a guy like a Gergenzins and a Dylan Cozens. I I really don't know what to believe with this bottom six. Like at least with the Leafs, you have Austin Matthews. He's slowly started to garner a little bit of a defensive game, whereas Jack Eichel still doesn't really have that defensive game down packed yet. So um, that's my take. I think, you know, when you look at the Leafs and the, and the Sabres, if you're going to compare the, the, the superstars, now I guess you could compare Hall with Marner. I really don't think you can. But, um, you know, we have Morgan Riley and uh, they have Rasmus Dahlin. But I still think Morgan Riley has a lot more to offer consistently and two-way more, way more than Rasmus Darlene. Darlene, I think, will hit that ceiling, but not right now. And Darlene, he doesn't have a lot of help, man. He has Jake McCabe and and Montour and Yokoharu and Ristolainen. So, like, these guys are all great NHL players, but they're not going to get you maybe even into the playoffs. So they need to make some key changes, especially if Jake McCabe is your is, – he's on your top pairing with Rasmus Darlene. I just think they need to fix the lower end of their lineup, like the D and the goaltending. Like, I'm trading every player on the team before I trade Jack Eichel. I understand uh, everyone shits on his defense, but, like, if you trade that guy, then there's another obvious hole there. You're missing a number one center, and it's not even fucking close because then Sam Reinhardt's got to step in. 
But um, but yeah, like they haven't even sniffed the playoffs since Jack's got there. So something's obviously got to give. But uh, I'm not trading Jack Eichel. If he wants to leave, that's another story, which I wouldn't be surprised. But uh, I will. I'm not actively trading that guy. Yeah, Jack Eichel, the GM, is going to make some moves over there. Get shit done. But uh, speaking of uh, getting stuff done, Cal Dubas is looking around the league, making some moves. I like it, trading some uh, cap space out. Dreas Janssen's gone, Kapanen's gone. I uh, got creative, brought in TJ Brody, Wayne Simmons, uh, Spezza's back. They're targeting, it looks like, Jumbo Joe. So uh, what do you th- think of this new uh, look lease lineup? Take it, buddy. Uh, I like it, but we still have to see what they are capable of doing. Um, Wayne Simmons is a guy that I, I, okay, I guess I'll say 40 points and that's being very generous. Um, if he's, if he's going to play like third line, um, if he, if he, cause apparently he said to Dubas, he wants to play second power play. I don't know if that's going to happen, but, um, it's Wayne Simmons. He's a Toronto boy. I don't know. Uh, I don't know much. At least, well, over the last two years, we've seen a huge decline in his speed. But he's still a gritty guy, and that's definitely something that the Leafs have had to address for a while now. Is it doesn't matter. You can draft all the skill in the world, but you need some sort of grit to to balance it out, especially in the postseason. So, getting Wayne Simmons was huge. Getting Bogo was huge. Um, I really like the signing. Uh, of um Jason Spezza as well resigning it's it's a little contract but you know what he did last year was was eye opening at least for me in the playoffs he was fighting for teammates he was winning a lot of key battles and and face offs so i really like the Spezza signing in terms of TJ Brody 5 million dollars i don't know if i like that much but again that was probably the market for him anyway um 4 years is good i think that's a good term um, the salary to me is a little high. I'd maybe would have done four for four, but um, he's probably the best case scenario when you look at the market for a defensive pairing with uh, with Morgan Riley. And I'm not counting Petrangelo because that's not realistic at all. Like Lee fans had to get that out of their head from from day one. We were not getting Petrangelo. Um, I actually love everything Dubas has done. I don't know if I've ever said that sentence. Uh, he's made it clear that the core is not going to change. I don't think they should. They're all still learning how to play together. They're all younger than us, for Christ's sakes. So I don't think we should blow it up. But, uh, yeah, you're making all these little moves around them. The Wayne Simmons signing is fucking brilliant. Plays hard every single night. He knows how to play the right way. Uh, I don't think he'll score 40. I think you're fucking reaching there. I don't think he's going to sniff the power play unless a, a certain guys get hurt. But he could play in front of the net. He, you know, um, he's one of those guys we don't really, we haven't really had one of those guys like Wayne Simmons. So just for the year on his no trade, he had that no trade for the one year deal. So that's, it's a high roller right there. I love it. Bogosian, absolutely love it. Going to bring some grit on the back end. He's a right handed D, so he's the fucking best thing since sliced bread. Uh, the Jimmy VC signing, which you forgot to mention. Oh, years man. after singing, he wouldn't come to Toronto. And then five years later, he can't get a fucking job. And yeah, sure, I'll sign in Toronto. So that's another depth forward. Um, and uh, TJ Brody, man, 
I love it. You know, I'm not saying like he's fucking amazing and he's going to get 50, but like he's going to take a lot of pressure off of Mo. He's, he's always been a good defenseman. He's a great skater to really push the puck up the ice streams. And uh, yeah, he's going to fit into our top four real nicely. <laughs> oh man, Jimmy VC. I almost forgot about that. I remember when uh, the first time he was playing this game with all these teams, that max contract they can only offer him was an entry level where he didn't want to play in Nashville. He wanted to play in a big market. And uh, they were all raving about him. This guy was going to be like the new hot shit player that's going to get like 30 goals and nothing happened there. So uh, do you think this could be a Marley signing, if anything? Yeah, oh, it's <laughs> I hope he can get in there. <laughs> I, I, think he'll, I think he'll play, yeah. but like he'll play like fucking 15 games. Like he won't. He won't play that much. They got a lot of these guys on one-year deals, though. So, like, I guess they're preparing for the expansion draft, too. <laughs> yeah, I God. think uh, looking at this team, though, if Jumbo Joe comes in, is uh, Pierre Engvall and Rosen out for a bigger trade? Like, does Dupas have something else up his sleeve to even go after Jumbo Joe? Oh my, I feel like if Jumbo Joe goes to the Leafs, I'm if I'm Kerfoot, I'm sweating. Like, I really don't know. Because Kerfoot is another guy, like, he's at 3.5 mil or uh, around there. And um, we all saw what Dubas did with Kapanen and Janssen. He knew that he had to get rid of them. He had to get rid of some some sort of scoring. And um, he got, you know, he got what he got. We got now, uh, what's his name, uh, Abramov or... Whatever his name is, we drafted him 15th overall. So hopefully he pans out. I know a lot of Leaf fans did not like that tri- that uh, that draft pick. I think we should have taken Braden Schneider. I think that was a gift given to us, and we didn't take him. We took a fin in the second round. But in terms of if we get Joel Thornton, um, I think anybody from Kerfoot to Engve to uh, Joey Anderson to even maybe, I hate to say it, but maybe even Jason Spezza um, all potentially will not be playing. So I think it's just based off of like how much. So, so if, Joel, if Jumbo Joe comes to us for $1 million, that that contract is already more value than Jason Spezza's. So I feel like Spezza would be the guy out there. Um, if it's not him, I, I, would, I don't know what it is with Engvall. He's worked so hard to get here. And I just I love the way he plays. He's big. He can skate. He forechecks like a freak. I don't think I would bring him down to the Marlies. I think he's a, I think he's a mainstay NHLer. I don't think he's a fringe player at all. So, I think out of all those guys that you just mentioned, I think Engvall might be the guy that's actually off the hook if we get Jumbo Joe. All right. So here's the thing: if the Leafs actually sign Jumbo Joe, where is he playing in our lineup? Are you comfortable with putting him third line center? Yeah, that would be it, yeah. All right, for me, not a fucking chance. I love Joe Thornton. He's a Hall of Famer. The guy's amazing. But um, if he's not our fourth-line center, which is taken up by Jason Spezza, I do not want to see Joe Thornton because I like the foot speed has really taken a toll on him. And with the forwards the Leafs have, I don't even think he's making it onto that second power play. So it would be nice to see him in a Leafs jersey, Ontario kid coming home late in his career. But 
honestly, like, I don't see it. I wouldn't sign him. Unless they put, uh, like what Dallas did with Spezza. You have Spezza move to the right wing, third and fourth line center. And maybe uh, if they have to make a trade, that leaves a spot there left wing for my guy Igor Korshkov. <laughs> Big monster coming in there, mucking it up, throwing the body around. I like the way he plays. I think that'd be a nice fit. That it. guy's not playing next year. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I forgot too. Like I was, I was listening on uh, the Fan Five Ninety today. We have guys. We have Miro. We have the two guys from Russia coming over too, Barbanov and Lettinen. So I have no yeah. idea what our team's gonna look like. Like we know CC's gone. Uh, Lilgren is probably the guy that's more likely to go to the A than Sandine. At least I think I'm playing Sandine over Lilgren right now. So you have you have Sandine, you have Muzzin, you have Dermot, you have Brody, you have Riley. That's already five D. So I guess that's where Lettinen would come in. I assume if because man, if you're gonna come over from the K, you have to probably play no. And then there's Barbanov, and you know who we completely forgot about Mikheyev. <laughs> oh yeah. So where the hell? Like I'm thinking of all these like all these names like even like. Like Kerfoot, like I feel like there's even gonna be some games where he could even be in the press box <laughs> or traded. Maybe that's a, a sign. Dubis loves his KHL guys. You started it right away with Zaitsev, and then the next year with Mikheyev, and then Lekkinen, who led the fucking KHL for points and defensemen. But uh, what about Travis Dermott? What do we see about him? His future with us? Ah, Dubas loves him. I don't think he'll get rid of him. But like, if Sandin's coming in, like, and then you got Lettinen coming in, that may he might be the odd guy out over Logren. I don't know. Yeah, I think I think at this point it's between Dermot and Logren. I was just gonna say that. I think it's between the two. Uh, Dermot, it depends on how much he wants because he's already played two years pro. If I'm not mistaken, it's either two or three years. So he's already been on the team for a while. He solidified himself as probably a, I wouldn't say a top four defenseman, but I'd say a consistent top six defenseman. And uh, I, I, I already know that he has a market, no doubt about it. There's probably teams like the Red Wings, maybe Winnipeg. Like they would love a guy like a Dermot, a guy that can play. Um, he's, not, he's not unreal defensively and he's not unreal offensively he's just consistent enough on both ends to contribute for your team so uh i i do agree with pinello there if like if lettinen's gonna come to this team and and now you have brody and muzzin as well coming back healthy thank god we got rid of cc um i really don't know what to expect with those three type of defensemen i think sandine is hands down the best out of all three of them um, so I think it's just going to come down to what type of year Dermot has next year. He was um, he was fucking rolling, and then he got injured a little late in the season, and then that kind of derailed him. And then when he came back, he was kind of off. But like, I, I I'm going to predict now. I think they easily let him go. He just walks when his deal's up, and then he's going to flourish somewhere else. I think he's going to be one of those guys. You won't really know what he is until four or five years down the road. Because he is only two years pro, like you said, something like that. He's had a major injury, so I still think he's getting his feet wet in the NHL. But for the Leafs, 
I, I think like another year, I think he's got one year left on his deal and then that's it. Yeah. It's tough with the KHL thing. Cause remember Zaitsev, when he came to the Leafs, that was after the year he was, uh, given the award best defenseman in the KHL. So we saw that, how it translate, how it translated over here. Uh, after one year, he signs an extension. And after that, it was just a disaster. Uh, I think Dermot, the only thing, like he has a good quality about him. He can play the off uh, side. So if he's either left or right, I think he can transition. And if he's not comfortable in an area, uh, the only thing there is like Lilgren's development. He got, he was supposed to go a lot higher in the draft. He fell to the leaves, but then he didn't really build up any hype from that. Like there's no momentum right now. He should be where Sandine is at. And Sandine just took his spot. So I think, if anything, I think Logren could be the odd man out. Yeah. You, uh, I agree. The Leafs, yeah. If you're going to look at a deal, though, to, up, to continue to upgrade their D, do you think they'd throw Logren in there as like a main trade piece? If, they have, if they're going to move on from one of Dermot or Logren, you can kind of like start that trade with those two? Yeah. Just depends. Like, how how how's his value though? That's a that's another tough one. Assuming he's rolling in the minors, and he keeps going. It literally all depends on how this KHL defenseman plays. Like, if he comes to the team and he plays like out of this world and gets like thirty four points next year, then we're gonna start saying, "Well, is he that? Like, is he that offensive type of secondary defenseman that like Lilgren?" kind of should be right now and like you, you got to think of like Lilgren as well guys like he's been in the like he got drafted three years ago already and I, I haven't really heard his name that much now I don't know if it's because of the the injury or the development or him in the A and the competition he has in the A but I haven't heard his name a whole lot so uh Pinello, I agree I think um if Dermot walks and this this KHL defenseman becomes like pretty damn solid, why not trade Lilgren? I feel like at that point, you know, in order to get better, you sometimes you have to make those sacrifices. So I feel like if you trade Lilgren, why not? I feel like that would be a situation if we were to trade Lilgren. Years down the road, you just know it's going to come back and haunt us because he fell to us in the draft. We did take him. It's like, oh, my God, it finally was meant to be. Something good happened to the Leafs, and then it didn't work out, so we traded him, and then he progressed when he was off the Leafs. Can't you see that happening? Yeah, then he scores an overtime goal to eliminate the Leafs from the playoffs or the Stanley Cup final. I can see that. <laughs> Just like what you said with Dermot, I wouldn't even be surprised if he left and became like a better offensive defenseman. There's a lot to give with Dermot. He hasn't really been get, He's been playing in the fucking five six spot. He's getting no special teams time. So you said Detroit and like L.A. or like teams like that be playing top four minutes, and then you could really see what he's about. Yeah, good Canadian kid. Like to see it. Uh, anything else you guys want to touch on here? No, not really. Just uh, Quinton Byfield and Lafreniere. Those guys are going to be uh, next year. Here's a hot take for you. Byfield is winning Rookie of the Year. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, say, I'll say my friend Yeh. 
wins it. <laughs> Probably like fifty points. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll go with the I'll go with the kid from Quebec too. What about Stutzel? Is that a yes. good number three pick? I know he went up a little bit. Stutzel can if 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 Stutzel gets the byfield treatment, which I think he will. And when, what I mean by that is I think Byfield right away will come in and be the second-line center. Like, I feel like they're going to go with Kopitar and then Byfield next year. And I feel like they're going to go with, like, Col- like Colin White and then Tim Stutzel or something like that because, like, they just have to, right? Like, they, they this is the highest Ottawa's drafted in a long time. And I feel like if they do anything but that, then I feel like the Ottawa fans will just be like, well, what the fuck was the point of drafting this guy third overall if he's going to play on the third line with, like, Connor Brown and someone else? So I feel like if you, I feel like Stutzel's going to go into the league and he's, his line mate first year is going to be Brady Kachuk. So I feel like that's going to be the pairing to watch next year. And, uh, yeah, I wouldn't even be surprised if Tim Stitzel uh, outperformed Byfield next year either. Okay. Uh, I, th- I think he'll outscore him, no problem, just because uh, L.A. doesn't fucking score. Nato's got a lot of young kids over there. Um, <laughs> I-, I think for the first year, if they play him on the third line, like, who gives a shit? Like, they're all still so young, and then eventually they're all going to grow together. So I think, like, if he gets, like, if he averages 15 minutes of ice time, I don't think Ottawa fans are going to lose sleep over that. But uh, all three of those kids have a chance to just light the fucking show on fire because they're all in top six and top four positions over there. Oh, yeah. What do you, guys, what do you think of... Uh, I, guess I'll, I guess I'll ask this to Alino and, and you to end, the, to end this, but with all the moves Ottawa's made, are you confident in saying that Ottawa is in a better position now than Buffalo? Oh, easily. <laughs> Fuck, but who Buffalo has Reinhardt, who everyone's complaining that he, to them he's not living up to second overall. Jack Eichel is the only guy there, but they can't seem to get a GM and a coach long enough for him to forge a relationship. And uh, yeah, Darlene is just there poaching around, maybe get some numbers once in a while. But uh, I can't believe I'm saying this. Ottawa, they're looking good. It's looking all right <laughs> over there. Uh, the first guy I thought of was actually Matt Murray, who's a goaltender who's locked up over there. Um, <laughs> he wins, he wins fucking two Stanley Cups, and he has to prove himself on one of the worst teams. I just find that hilarious how that works out for him. But uh, I get, yeah, they got him for a few years. I think he'll be a nice, you know, it's a nice starting goaltender. We'll see what he's got to give, but like, he's probably going to play like uh, 82 game season. We'll say he'll, he'll, he's getting like 60, 65 games. He's going to get a big chunk over there. It's his net for the next four or five years. So uh, that's where I think they have a step up on Buffalo. What do you, what do you guys think of the the ten, the duel between, or the, sorry, now the three defensemen they have in Chabot, Brandstrom, and Sanderson? What do you think they're going to do in the future? I'm pissed off because that's going to be giving us nightmares for the next 15 years. Uh, Shabbat already, like, since stepping into the league, has taken over that fucking blue line. Uh, he's already projected to be top four for Team Canada when the if, if the Olympics come in two years. Um, yeah. Can play that, yeah, shit. Anyway, 
any way you want to play, he can do it. Um, Brandstrom, I haven't seen a whole lot yet. We just know he's a stud offensively. So when he, he gets comfortable, he's going to keep rolling. And uh, yeah, and they got the kid Sanderson at five, which apparently was a reach, but everyone it loses their was. Uh, <laughs> you know, You know the drill when you're watching the draft. You're like, how the fuck did you pass up on this guy? And then like two years later, the guy you wanted is not even in the fucking show. So we'll see how that pans out. Either way, Ottawa's loaded with fucking young players, so it's looking nice over there. Yeah, Brandstrom is uh, unreal. Uh, I think he's going to be that elite offensive defenseman for them. I think Shabbat might be, he'll turn into more of a two-way guy. Uh, we might even see Brandstrom one day get more points in him and be that top power play guy who facilitates the offense as like that quarterback type of role. But for now, I think Shabbat is head and shoulders above them for now and their development. Yeah. Well, I guess we got to wait and see next year. Our division is looking a lot more competitive though, which I like Florida, Buffalo, Ottawa, Toronto, Boston, Tampa. Those are the teams to watch, uh, at least in our division, Detroit, they're a write off. I don't count them. <laughs> I'm not going to count them for probably another three years. So we'll wait and see what happens. But other than that, I think this is a, this is a wrap for this week's episode. Is it not? Oh, yeah. 101 in the books. Next week is 102.